This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Happy to be with you, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you just five days till Election Day. Lara Trump at about 10 minutes and a legendary uh, Navy SEAL, Jocko Wilnick. Brand new book out. He'll inspire you. He always does. The number to call, one 408 7669 You want to get the podcast? Listen to the whole thing when your schedule's a little bit lighter and you can call the shots. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Go to the Spotify. You could also go to iHeart or iTunes. So we have a lot to discuss today, So, and I don't want to take too much time away from Lara, so let's get going. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Well, as bad as the COVID surge is here, it's worse in Europe, which accounted for nearly half of all new cases globally last week. And the former head of the FDA warns we are just three weeks behind them. Wow. Corona comeback. Lockdowns riddle Europe. Germany and France, new restrictions for at least a month. Italy next, protest in the streets. The UK is already regional restricted. It could get worse. I thought Europe did it right. I thought Trump should have been more like the, more like Merkel, more like Macron. Now maybe the world and especially Democrats will understand there's only one nation to blame. It is China. And free societies are not built to hide from the virus. Number two. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? Great point, Ted Cruz. Unnatural selection. Never in American history have we ever seen more stark example of media bias as big tech gets grilled on Capitol Hill. Facebook, Twitter, and Google ineffectively defend accusations of anti-conservative bias. Plus, a whistleblower with integrity uh, with integrity, steps forward and tells his story and what he witnessed of the Biden family corruption. And he is ignored. Meanwhile, anonymous, treasonous, I should say, is finally revealed. His role was overly hyped, and his story was covered elsewhere, everywhere, and through most circles. He is lauded just about out and about in Washington, D.C. For doing what? Smearing the commander-in-chief. A joke. Number one. We created the greatest economy in the history of the world. And if that number's not big, you don't even have to vote for me, okay? I'm taking a chance when I say that you don't even have to vote for me. Mr. President, it is really big. How about 33%? It is the greatest increase in our GDP in history. Overall, up 7%. 2020, five days and counting until Election Day. The 45th president is racing across the country. He's supposed to do 14 or between 11 and 14 events in the next five days. The challenger strolls into Tampa and leaves back to his basement. I've never seen a a more stark example, to use that term again, to somebody approaching this presidential campaign. He says he's being responsible. The real problem with Joe Biden, his energy and his crowds. No one's enthusiastic about him. And if you think he's being responsible by going home, why is Kamala Harris suddenly racing across the country? Difference in people, they don't want him answering questions. Questions that he should welcome answering because if he becomes president, he's going to have to deal with it. So let's just start about uh, some of the news, and it's good. 
So the economy went up 33%. That is stunning. In the second quarter, our GDP dropped 9%. Now our economy's up 7%. If you want to go above what we did, 10%. Just to go inside the numbers a little bit for us uh, everyday folk, durable goods like refrigerators, we increased 45%. Non-durable goods, 83% increase. Residential investing, up 60%. Government spending is down 18%. So what we're saying is we're doing it ourselves. We're doing it without the restaurant industry, without the travel industry, obviously without the airline industry, without the cruise industry. They've all been shelved by, I think, governors that are reluctant to open, yes. And I also think, number two, legitimately a pandemic. First one in two generations we're experiencing. So what is the president's message? We're going to beat the pandemic. We got vaccines and our economy was great. I'll make it great again. Cut one. We created the greatest economy in the history of the world. And then we had the plague come in from China, and now we're doing it again. Our numbers are unbelievable. And if that number's not big, you don't even have to vote for me, okay? I think it's going to be maybe the biggest number in the history of our country, GDP. That's our big number, right? I'm taking a chance when I say that you don't even have to vote for me. Today, the president's going to be in Tampa. So will Joe Biden will be in Tampa. The president will be at Raymond, Raymond, James, State, Raymond James Stadium. Uh, the uh, Joe Biden will not be. He'll hold a drive-in event, which is probably literally 20 cars. And the vice president, uh, Pence, is going to be busy. And also the first ladies with the president. They will also meet in North Carolina at the uh, at the Lands Pope Army Field. He's going to meet with some troops who, along with the First Lady, and he's going to be at the Fayette, Fayetteville Regional Airport. The guy does running the country and doing events. And I think this is a guy that three weeks ago was in the hospital, and we think he had a fever. We know he wasn't feeling well. So Joe Biden, angriest guy by far that I've seen. The guy never smiles, always upset, Hey, look, folks, this, that. And when he comes off the prompter, he makes absolutely no sense. Even on the prompter, he eats his words. Cut three. What I say is that there is no excuse whatsoever for the looting and the violence. And there are certain things we're going to have to do as we move along. And I think I know the local folks in Philadelphia are thinking about it as well. And that is how we deal with how you diminish the prospect of lethal shooting in circumstances like the one we saw. That's going to be part of the commission I set up to determine how we deal with these these changes. But there's no excuse for the looting. So they're talking about Philadelphia. So look at the issues of the day, packing the court. I'm going to get a commission. 108 days, they're going to give me suggestions. Maybe rotate justices off the Supreme Court. Can you believe this? Uh, Pack the Supreme Court. I'm going to see what they come up with because it's out of whack. Really? I don't think it's out of whack. After 150 years, you decide at the age of 77, it's out of whack. Really? Okay. And then when it comes to law and order. You're going to get a commission together. Really? Do you just not want to answer any question at all? Like, for example, when you said that your son and his business, you had nothing to do with it. You never asked him what he was doing in Ukraine. Never asked him what he was doing in Oman. You never asked him what he was doing in Kazakhstan. Never asked him what he was doing in China. Never answers these questions. Listen to the reporters and the questions they ask him. Cut four. Uh, the shooting in Philadelphia, what do you say to Philadelphia residents that are outraged by yet another unarmed black man being shot by police? And Mr. your health care plan, do you have a bill ready to drop? And what did you learn from the ACA passage that's going to guide how you work on the improvements to the ACA, particularly whether you're going to work with Republicans? Unbelievable. Are you going to work? What did you learn? 
This is it. Tony Bobolinsky. He said he met with you twice. He has proof of interaction with Hunter. Proof that they were going out of the way to set up a meeting with you. Uh, locations to times when you actually met. Is it true you said this? And if you have the answers, you love these questions. If you don't, you hide. But never in my life have I seen somebody run for president and literally hide from the press. And the press is complicit because they're not even asking them the questions. And big tech is complicit because they're not posting the stories and the shadow banning of people that just represses their trending, represses their followers is happening on a daily basis. That to me is not acceptable. You could be the biggest Joe Biden fan in the world or the, or the biggest critic of Donald Trump in the world. You deserve better. I'm going to have a commission. I'm going to make a commission. That is not an answer. Meanwhile, the president's in a dead heat now in Florida. Man, he was about eight back a little while ago. He's battling back in Arizona. In North Carolina, it was a virtual flat-footed tie. We know he won up in Ohio. We know Rasmussen has him up one overall. And another guy, Albert Marco, he's a, uh, a Florida-branded poster. Uh, he believes the president's going to get over 300 electoral votes again. Brian Morgenstern uh, is a deputy chief of staff, cut six. What we see on the ground is huge support for the president, people who maybe haven't voted before or recently, people who are not necessarily Republicans, people who are not getting caught up in polls, see what's going on with media corruption. They see what's going on with the Biden family. They see what's going on with the fact that it's a 47-year politician who never got solutions going against President Trump, who had a better economy in three years than the Obama-Biden administration could get in eight so they see what's going on. The people know what's happening. We see it on the ground. Uh, just don't believe the polls because they got it wrong last time and they're getting it wrong this time. I would say the crowds are bigger. They're outdoors. And some of them in adverse conditions. They're more passionate than ever. Uh, I think that if the president comes out and pulls this off, we should forget polling the way they're currently constructed, the way they're currently implemented, the way they're currently done. You have to throw them out because there's either complicit in making it look hopeless to Trump supporters or they just have no clue how to get in touch with people. The other big story that I will not let go of is Tony Bumbalinski. Uh Tony is the one who put his reputation and his family security on the line to come forward and talk about his dealing with the vice president because cares about the country and is worried that somehow he's involved with a deal with an energy company in China directly associated with the Chinese communist country who is directly associated in doing projects in Russia and part of the Belt and Road program building out that China is building out through all these developing countries. So when he came forward with knowing what he knew and and Bobolinsky is so buttoned up, they knew it. They knew he had text messages. They knew he had emails. They knew they had times and locations to back up everything he said. And the partners with the Bidens is a guy named Rob Walker, their attorney, and James Gilliar. So they are on the phone now. Try to listen to him. It doesn't matter who's who. When it become clear that Bobolinsky is going to go forward and sit down with Tucker and have his press conference. Listen to the concern in their voice. Cut 24. I just think that uh, if, 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 if somebody comes out now and verifies the story, it, it, it blows up big time. That's all. We've got, this, we've got this situation now where it's escalated again because somebody, allegedly one of us three, has qualified the, uh, the story. And uh, already it's back on the front pages. It's not. 
And that was Gilear and Rob Walker saying they know this is a huge, huge story. They know it's going to be on the front pages, but it's not. It's not Monica Lewinsky when the New York Times covered that. It's not Hillary Clinton, the DNC emails, which became hacked in public. It's none of that. It's not the State Department cables that were exposed by WikiLeaks that embarrassed our country. They still published it, but they didn't publish this. They haven't even vetted it. Fox News has vetted these emails. Every single one has proven to be 100% valid and correct. That's why Tony Bobulinski has already sat down with the FBI under oath and swore it's all true. Why would someone do that? Almost never. Unless they were totally innocent and had a story to tell. So just understand, Trump people have to fight ABC, who's not covering this story at all, zero. CBS, NBC, not at all. Their cable outlets, zero. They're falsely claiming it's Russian disinformation when the Russians have nothing to do with this. And now we have big tech trying to sideline the story, still has disabled the New York Post account because they tried to publish this story. Just understand what's out there because everybody does not no one cares about condemnation they just care about getting Joe Biden elected don't stand for it in fact if you're undecided how dare they take away information from you so you vote a voice uh, so you vote a certain way incredible and last we have to go to break I don't revel in this but I, I want to reveal this I don't know how many of you watch the BBC or Sky News. I spend some time in the morning doing it up at 2.30. Don't need to see repeats of a lot of news shows. I want something new that's happening. And I'm watching the protests in Italy and Turin and Rome because they're locking down again. I'm watching the, uh, with, their, with their version of the, the German parliament announce officially that they're going to be shutting down entirely for a complete month. Wow. And then I'm seeing the same thing in France. While they're having a crisis in terror, and the U.K. last week went in a regional lockdown, Czech Republic, Belgium, Poland, same thing. I say this for this reason. Can you please get the politics out of the coronavirus? We can't control it. The only people that can control it, South Korea for now and Japan, those are islands. Do you know in Melbourne they're under strict lockdown right now? New Zealand temporarily has got it. They've locked down their country. They've virtually stopped travel. You can't do that here. You will find that out. If Joe Biden becomes president, you will all find that out. And a vaccine is going to come out, and little by little we're going to stamp this thing out. But sitting down and locking down and not working and not going to school and, and not traveling and not going or driving around does not work against the virus. It bends the curve and it bounces back up. Be responsible. Keep your distance. But live. No, you can't blame the guy in the White House. But if someone's taking away your gyms, your restaurants, your business, your school, you have a right to be resentful because we have a strategy to fight against it. And don't tell me Germany knows how to do it right because they are back where we were. I want to see what you have to say. one 408 Laura Trump moved for a half hour from now. They're out on the road. Jocko Willenick at the bottom of the hour to inspire you. But you're next. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. You don't believe Twitter has any ability to influence elections? No, we are one part of a spectrum of communication channels that people have. So you're testified to this committee right now that, that, that Twitter, when it silences people, when it censors people, when it blocks political speech, that has no impact on elections? People, people have choice of other communication channels with which... Not if, not if they don't hear information. If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? Literally given uh, the back and forth, but Ted Cruz by far the most prepared to take on the CEOs of Twitter, Google, and Facebook. Facebook, uh, when it comes to this New York Post story, had the most egregious uh, head-spinning answer. We're still investigating whether it's true or not. Really? The, the, they are proven true. Ask Senator Ron Johnson. They've done it. Ask uh, Bobolinsky if it's proven true because we've checked it all out. They have added up. How dare you hold them to that standard that you have made up that you take over a week to investigate? And you walked in without even a progress report on how it's doing or who's actually doing the investigating? They just want to make sure Trump loses. Doug, Palm Desert, California. Doug. Yes. Brian, I just wanted to comment on another thing about suppression is a lot of us use the website like Bing and and Google. And if you type in things like warp speed, COVID, Trump, even the the word positive article, you won't find anything. It's almost impossible. Did not know that. Uh, Google definitely can suppress. They're definitely doing that. I definitely notice there's something going on. Can you imagine, Doug, doing something wrong and saying, despite the criticism and the scrutiny, it's worth it just to make sure Trump loses? Absolutely. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And and the thing the thing that's most important is like right now we're all looking for things on this uh, Biden Biden articles again you 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 type it in and you get like twenty articles and none of them are uh, give you the information that you're looking for 
So thank, it's just one of those Thanks, Doug. Things. Chad, listening in Orlando. Chad. Yes. The COVID lockdowns, Hello. you're against them because we're getting to go. We're, gonna, we're supposedly three weeks behind Europe. Oh, completely against them. It's been a, um, a nightmare. I've got a daughter in high school. It's. I just pray we don't do that. I don't think it's uh, productive. Um, I think it's against nature. Uh, you know, it's decay. Um, you know, we're. I don't understand the logic of uh, locking down things uh, just because there's a virus out there. Well, what did your daughter say about school? She loves school. We're so grateful that we're able to be back in face-to-face, but media down here has just been an horrible they've been trying to keep the kids out of school they've been closing down a couple um here and there um for minimum cases yeah i heard uh, about that with governor desantis we come back jacko willenick joins us if you're not inspired now you will be shortly brand new book discipline equals freedom it's the hammer time podcast fox news channel's bill hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day find hammer time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com america's listening to fox news the fastest three hours in radio you're with brian kilmeade what i'm witnessing is terrible and frankly that the uh, the mayor or whoever it is that's allowing people to riot and loot and not stop them is also just a horrible thing but they should bring in their national guard if the police need help and they should do something you can't let that go on Uh, we're watching it very closely and we're waiting for a call if they want help we're there we'll be in there within one hour we're ready to go within one hour so in the last three days philadelphia uh, because of a conflict where a african-american man came at cops with a uh, with a knife. They had to backpedal. They finally shot. They killed him. Uh, in turn, they thought it would be a good idea to follow me here, wreck their city, uh, smash windows, and loot stores. And for the most part, the cops were surprised or told to stand down. That is the story. But it's not unusual. Uh, sadly, we've seen this in Chicago. We've seen it in Minneapolis. We see it daily in Portland. We see it all the time in Seattle. And it's periodically in New York City, Manhattan. And we even saw it in Brooklyn in a salute, an homage to what happened in Philadelphia. This is the chaos on the streets. Also, let me add this. With the election day coming up, police departments preparing for what they're calling post-election protests, which oftentimes get into riots. In Minneapolis, in San Antonio, New York, Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, Portland, Seattle, Philly, Baltimore, Charlotte, El Paso, I can go on, and Fort Worth. Joining us now, a man who's witnessed all of this, too, at home. He used to see this stuff in Afghanistan and Iraq. Jocko Wilnick, retired Navy SEAL, host of the Jocko Podcast, and author of a brand-new book. you got to grab it. It's called Discipline Equals Freedom, the uh, Field Manual. Hey, Jocko, welcome back. Hey, Brian, how you doing, man? It's uh, That's a rough intro. Yeah, but I think you can handle it. Uh, can you believe yeah. we're having these problems at home and so many uh, people, men and women in blue, are being disrespected like this? It's it's absolutely horrible to see. And, man, I, I hope we can turn a corner at some point on this in the near future. What's it going to take? You know, we've got we to start investing in police. We've got to start getting trees, police better training. We've got to get them the right equipment that they need. We've got to get them out with the communities and, and building relationships out in the communities. This is going to take a different, a different mindset, and we've we got to get started. And that's why when I hear things, you know, defund the police was, is, is a slogan I hear, and that's absolutely the, the worst thing we could possibly do is when you defund the police, you're going to take away their training. And when you take away training, this is what causes things like this to happen. 
I heard budgets were the issues that stun guns were not with those police that day. Budgets. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I was in the military and I, I was in the military when I got in the military. It was it was Bush went to Clinton, you know, and the, the differences that you would see in the funding was was real. It was a real thing. And the amount of ammunition that we would get to shoot was a real thing. And so, yeah, it's absolutely possible that these guys didn't have the equipment they need because the the budget gets cut. They don't want to give these guys some non-lethal forms of, to defend themselves. And so what does that leave them with? Someone's running at them with a knife. What does it leave them with? It's it's very difficult to right. to have a different way to de-escalate someone that's running at you with a knife. Well, let me ask you something, uh, Jocko. You've, you've seen some very perilous situations in your life, go through a lot of training, and you train others. I saw a presidential candidate say to cops, I have an idea. Instead of shooting to kill, shoot for their leg. Has anyone ever told you in command to shoot for somebody's leg? Yeah, this look, if you're going to pull out your weapon, you got to be ready to use it. And you shouldn't be pulling out your weapon unless you're going to use it. And that's a... Uh... That's one of those things where maybe if you're a sniper and there's a hostage situation and you've got an innocent person being held and the only shot you can get on a bad guy is, you know, that shot to, to someone's leg to wound them. I, I mean, I don't know. It's very difficult to think of circumstances where that's a good move. Ever. Uh, every cop I've talked to said you have to go uh, shoot for the b- biggest mass, wherever that is. Uh, you're going for a leg, you're going to miss. So, Jocko, a couple other things. I'm going to bring it to another area, and that's Muslim extremism. We're seeing in France, we saw the beheading of a teacher because he put up a cartoon that made that it had Muhammad in it. We had they, we, they, people watched in horror as his head was cut off in the street. Sadly, that picture was everywhere. Their leader, uh, uh, Macron, condemned the act and condemned the extremists. And other governments rifle back at him. And today, these jihadist murderers have killed three worshippers beheaded two of them, screaming Allah Akbar, they'd be later gunned down. You know this mindset. How do we get on top of it, especially when it's hit our cities? We don't have to go to Afghanistan to find it. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us. It really shouldn't. I mean, this is a, this is an attitude that's existed for, I mean, since the, well, really since the 80s. And, and, you know, when, when they have the opportunity to do this sort of asymmetric warfare and get into cities and kill innocent people and do it in the most brutal, brutal and shocking and terrifying way that they can, that's exactly what they're going to do. You have to, so what do you have to do? You have to be proactive. You have to obviously you have to be proactive on the intel side, but you also have to be proactive going to take the fight to where they are. And you also have to be very strict with how you, who you're going to let into your country. And I mean, it's strange that that's even a debate that we need to be particular about who we let in the country. And I mean, you know, that's in France. But believe me, these things could easily happen in America. These jihadists, they don't they don't care. They have no rules of engagement. You realize as we can't control the streets for Americans, uh, what are we going to do if these jihadists decide to to set their sights on major American cities again? And they might be now. Yeah, they absolutely might be now, and that's why we've got to continue to press really hard with our intel community, with our police and law enforcement, um, and you've got, to, you've got to apply the pressure. Got it. Uh, Jocko, you got a brand-new book out. It's excellent. It's called Discipline Equals Freedom, it's a field manual. It's pretty much the way you live your life. What made you think this is the right message now? You know, this is, this is stuff that I learned in my military career growing up, and, you know, look, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the strongest guy. I'm not the fastest guy. Really, the thing that was able to make me somewhat successful in my life 
was discipline, working hard. And, you know, writing this book is sort of a way of showing people that same pathway. They can get on it. You don't need to be a superstar. You don't need to be super talented. If you work hard and you have discipline, you can end up with freedom in your life. And what you do is with your free time, you structure it, correct? You, yeah, that's, that's one of the best ways to get more free time. That's, that's, the, that's the thing about this dichotomy of discipline and freedom. Of course, everyone wants freedom. Everyone wants freedom. But the question is, how do you get freedom? And the answer is you get freedom through discipline. So like you just said, if you want more free time, guess what? Have more disciplined time management, and you will end up with more free time. It's a great example of how this principle works. All right, so let's go through a few of them because we want some takeaway. People are driving, listening to us right now. Also, you have your podcast. You're always giving out these messages, and it's the number one business podcast in the country. You say there's no easy way in life, just the way of discipline. So Number one, discipline doesn't really mean you're denying yourself anything. It's just a way of life. So if you feel like you're taking the easy way, it's not going to pay off. You're not going to appreciate it. Yeah, and people are always looking for the easy way out. And you say there is no easy way. Yeah, there is. There is an easy way. You can eat that donut instead of, you know, hanging on a little longer and getting some actual nutritious food. You can skip the workout. That's an easier thing than getting up and doing the workout. There's all kinds of easy ways, but those easy ways do not lead to anywhere good. You say regret is worthless. Yeah, I mean, looking back and 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 squandering your thoughts over things that happened in the past that you can't change anymore is, is totally worthless. The only benefit you can get from looking back is learn the lesson. Once you've learned the lesson of the mistake you made, then move forward. Right. Sitting there regret, feeling yourself with regret does you no good whatsoever. You said fight the feeling of not feeling it. So many times you get up in the morning, you know, I just don't feel good. You know, I, just, I don't have the energy today. Man, I'm way too tired. I don't think I should work out. Maybe I got a call in sick. You said you got to fight that, work through that. Yeah, listen to how easy you can rattle off those excuses. We all know what they are. We all know what it is to, to quote, not feel it. I don't know if not feeling it today. When I'm not feeling it, I make sure I feel it, and I go extra hard. I love this. Be afraid of failure, but worse, be horrified of sitting on the sidelines. You're never going to get in the game if you're afraid to fail. There's so many times in life where if we are so afraid of failing, we won't even step on the field. And obviously you can't achieve victory if you don't step on the field. So the thing you should really be afraid of is looking up in, in three years or five years or seven years and realize that you haven't made any progress. You haven't done anything that you know you could do. So, yeah, don't let fear stand in the way, except that you're going to be afraid of some things and then go and execute. When you left the military world and you got a bunch of great principles here and you went to the civilian world, which you're in right now, what stuck out to you that was missing that you were benefiting from in that more uh, structured environment? You know, the, the biggest thing, and I think you find this with a lot of veterans when they get out of the military, when you're in the military, you have a mission. And in my personal opinion, it's one of the best missions that you, a human being could, could do, which is to protect freedom and democracy around the world. So when you're in the military, you have that mission. You wake up every day. You're working with a bunch of people that have that same mission. And when you get out of the military, all of a sudden, if you let it happen, you don't have a mission anymore. So you have to wake up and figure out what your new mission is going to be, whether that means you're going to be a great dad or you're going to be a great mom or you're going to be great at, at this new job or you're going to start doing triathlons or you're going to start training jujitsu. Whatever it is you want to do, you've got to find a new mission. And I think that's the biggest thing that's lacking when people get out of the military. They don't have a mission anymore. So when you have meet people that aren't as focused as you or disciplined as you, 
how do you how do they find that discipline? How do they add that to their lives? They got out of college, they picked out a job they didn't really love, but it was steady work. Maybe they got into a relationship, they had a family, and they look around at 30, 35, 40, and they go, you know what? I'm not passionate about anything. I'm just kind of going from thing to thing. You must find that with people that call into your show that you interact with on a daily basis. You're really recognizable these days. Well, yeah, and I think one of the things that you can look at and one of the one of the one of the experiences that I've had, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, you know, is I've I've had incredible friends of mine that have been severely wounded or they've been killed. And so for me to wake up in the morning and think to myself, well, you know, I'm not really that much into anything or I'm not really going to, you know, go for a run today. It's like I've got friends that sacrifice their lives so that we have this opportunity to be here and do what we want to do and and to not take advantage of that, to squander that opportunity, that gift that's been given to us. For me, that's a non-starter. It's not going to happen. you got to have a mission because you survived for a reason. And lastly, uh, through this pandemic, everyone's life's been tossed on its head. Everybody's. Everybody. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening right now. This Was this a test for you personally? Hey, I looked at it and said, okay, what, what's going to happen? Um, I used to travel all the time. Brian, I, I, as you know, I've been to your studio many times, and now we're doing it over the phone. I've got to stay home with my family. I've got to spend the most nights in a row I've ever spent with my wife. And that was about that was about 45 days into the pandemic. It was the most days I ever consecutively spent in bed with my wife because I've been traveling and you know I was in the military, been traveling for all these years. So look, there's been some negatives, but okay, I don't focus on the negatives. I focus on what is good, how can I move forward? How can I take advantage of the situation and find new opportunities to go forward in a new way? And that's the way I look at everything. What if I set my goal to get you in the octagon and actually beat you? Is that a realistic goal for me? You know, I would love to give you some positive mindset right now, Brian, but it ain't happening. <laughs> you know what? I have to agree. One of my goals would never be getting to the octagon with you, and that I'll achieve. Uh, Jocko, congratulations, man. Discipline equals freedom, the field manual. Jocko Wilnick, thank you, and thanks for you do for the country. Awesome, Brian. Thank you. You got it. it. Silver star, bronze star. Besides that, not much. Also, Captain SEAL Team 3. Amazing. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. But we come back. Laura Trump joins us. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So, Mr. President, how are you feeling? I feel really good. I'm excited. I'm excited about the election coming up. Our voters go out on Tuesday. They don't even like voting on Monday. They don't even like the they want to vote. And we're going to have a red wave. I think you understand this better than most. We're going to have a red wave, the likes of which has never been seen, including four years ago.
John, uh, John Tapper sat down with the President of the United States yesterday in Nevada, where he is a rock star to the hospitality and gaming industry, and of course you know him from Bar Rescue. Uh, and way to get, no one, you could argue, has been hurt more than the restaurateurs, uh, the travel industry, as well as hospitality. You own a hotel, rent a car, you're suffering. Lara Trump knows that. She's been on the road for weeks now, helping get the message out for her father-in-law, President Donald J. Trump. She joins us now. Lara, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. Uh, you're in North Carolina now where the president's going to be uh, later today, right? I am in North Carolina, but as we do in the Trump family, I actually won't even be at the rally with the president. I'm in a different part of the state. We're all spread out all over the country because I think the name of the game is, is get out the word to go to the polls, vote for President Trump, and get your friends and family out, vote early. That's what we're trying to uh, get across to everybody. And one thing you're doing is you're traveling basically in the in the, the Trump women's caravan, for lack of a better term. You're trying to get women yeah. excited about the, the president's candidacy at another four years. What happened that wasn't addressed that you guys are addressing now? Because it seems that that's the area in which you you seem to, to have been hurting the most. Well, I think, look, the, the mainstream media, by and large, has not uh, done anyone any favors, whether you're talking about women, men, anybody in this country. I mean, they have tried to uh, portray the president in a very different light than I think is reality. And I think it's up to us uh, in the family and as the surrogates for the campaign to make sure we get out and remind people, Brian, of all the incredible accomplishments of this president, by the way, in record time. And so that's exactly what we're doing. We're out here talking about what this man has actually done for America. The fact that he's an outsider, he was not a politician uh, before he came into office. And really, when you contrast the two visions for America between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, there couldn't be a more stark or frightening contrast. Because while Donald Trump stands for freedom, prosperity, the American dream, you see on the other side, Joe Biden describing things as a dark winter. We know that he is a Trojan horse for socialism, uh, and he fundamentally wants to transform America. Those are his own words. So that's what we're voting for as well on November 3rd. The one thing I find unacceptable, I don't care, in the history, in, in all my life following the presidential races, he doesn't answer any questions. He will not talk about what he's going to do with law enforcement, will not talk about what he's going to do with this court packing. But one thing that struck me, Laura, is how unfair you were treated by Jake Tapper. I want people to hear a little of this from a couple of weeks ago. Let's listen. How do you think it makes little kids with stutters feel when they see you make a comment like that? Uh, first and foremost, I had no idea that Joe Biden ever suffered from a stutter. I think what we see on stage with Joe Biden, Jake, is very clearly a cognitive decline. Okay. That's when and I'm you guys went back and forth on that. Were you surprised by that and his stance on going to bat for Joe Biden, who's a gaffe machine? Oh, well, wasn't surprised by it one bit. Obviously, Jake Tapper, CNN, uh, by, again, by and large, the mainstream media is doing everything they can, working overtime to prop up Joe Biden, a man that I don't think anyone in America even considered to have a stutter. I think, again, Brian, what you've seen is that it's very uncomfortable to watch a man searching for words, not sure what he's saying, not sure what he's going to say, forgets where he is. We all know what's going on with Joe Biden is not normal. He's not the Joe Biden of five years ago or 10 years ago. But, I mean, how ridiculous for Jake Tapper to try and, and suggest that I did something like that. To He played right before that clip, by the way, a video of like a 12-year-old kid with I a know. stutter. As, as to insinuate I'm like some awful person <laughs> that would do that. Give me a break. 
they're doing everything they can. They're carrying Joe Biden's water because they know Americans are not buying it. Yeah, I just you did not rattle, and I give you so much credit. Uh, so, and you, you're very busy, and you're a mom at the same time. Laura Trump, thanks so much, senior campaign advisor. Thanks, Brian. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way in the sprint to the finish. Five days in county and economy on the comeback trail. We went up 33%. GDP, 7%. Amazing. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. All right, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We're going to be joined by Chris Wallace in a matter of moments. And then at the bottom of the hour, the man in charge of bringing the House back to Republicans. He is uh, Minority uh, Leader Kevin McCarthy will be with us live. He's uh, California's finest. And we're going to see what the inroads have to be in California. Now, everyone thinks, well, the president does poorly in California. But there's a lot of conservative hotbeds there, and they used to be represented by conservative lawmakers. That didn't happen in 2016 and 2018, and it's up to Kevin McCarthy, uh, you know, every two years are up, uh, to get him back. We'll see how he's doing. So uh, we have a lot to go over. We know the president of the United States is busy. Joe Biden is not. He's going to make one play visit today in Tampa. He's going to go to a drive-in, and he's going to be gone. The president's going to be in the parking lot of Raymond James Stadium, which will be the site of the Super Bowl this year, which we understand will only be about a third full. You think those tickets are expensive now when you have 80,000 seats. Think of them where they're going to end up. The vice president of the United States is going to be in Reno, and we know the vice, the current, uh, the current Democratic nominee doesn't do much work. He says he works 12 hours a day. I don't see it. Senator Sanders is going to be appearing with Senator Harris, the vice presidential running mate, right? I guess she's not a socialist. Oh, wait a second. She is. She and Bernie Sanders get along on everything. It is Joe Biden who tells us he's not a socialist. I'm not sure I'm buying that. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Well, as bad as the COVID surge is here, it's worse in Europe, which accounted for nearly half of all new cases globally last week. And the former head of the FDA warns we are just three weeks behind them. Uh, Here we go. The Corona comeback lockdowns riddle Europe. Germany, France are facing new restrictions. And is Italy next? The UK is already facing regional restrictions. Wait, I thought Europe did it right. I thought Trump would have been, uh, should be taking a page from Merkel and Macron. Oops. I hope we're not behind them. Sooner or later, we'll we'll understand that this thing is uncontrollable. And there's only one country to blame, and it's China. Number two. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you? and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? Unnatural selection. Never in American history have we seen more stark an example of media bias as big tech gets grilled on Capitol Hill, Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and effectively defend accusations of anti-conservative bias. Plus, a whistleblower with integrity steps forward and tells his story and what he witnessed of the Biden family business opportunities, let's say, and he is pretty much ignored. Meanwhile, Anonymous is finally revealed. His role overly hyped and his story covered everywhere. And in most circles, he's lauded for his smearing of the commander in chief. Does that sound right? 
Number one. We created the greatest economy in the history of the world. And if that number's not big, you don't even have to vote for me, okay? Well, it's I'm funny. taking a chance when I say that you don't even have to vote for me. Well, the GDP went up 33-plus percent. Uh, the GDP overall went up 7 percent. But this, uh, this economy is growing to the best degree possible. Uh, and that's really the story. Uh, five days and counting until Election Day. The 45th president racing across the country while his challenger strolls from small venue to small venue and back to his basement. Kind of interesting, right? Now it is time to clear the airwaves for the esteemed host of Fox News Sunday. You are to refer to me only as the big guy going forward. Okay? Are, are you sure about that? Now it's got negative connotations, so I think you should rethink that. No, no, I still like it. I, nobody has ever called me the big guy in 73 years on this earth. As in the big guy from the Hunter Biden emails? That's absolutely legitimate. The big guy referenced in this email right. is Chris Wallace. Hey, Hunter, what are you doing here in Beijing? The big guy of Beijing, the chairman of China. I want to be called the big guy like I want to be called oligarch. And the oligarch of Fox News Sunday, Chris Wallace. Hey, Chris. I love that. That was good. (laughs) That was very good. That was excellent. The oligarch. I'm I'm, I'm pumped up. Hey, Chris, I I would have to. I'm just going to come right out of the gate. I, I cannot believe how how universal it is outside Fox and the New York Post, maybe Washington Examiner, the ignoring the story of Bobulinski that you saw the interview Monday or saw clips of it, I'm sure. Tell me that is not worthy of news coverage. It's worthy of news coverage. I I have some qualms about certain parts of the story. Um, Frankly, I think that Bobulinski is a lot more, uh, you know, needs to be reported on and, and responded to by the Biden campaign on the question of whether Biden talked about and knew about his son's business dealings. I sure still haven't seen any evidence that that he benefited financially. But even if it's just that he was talking about it, you know, Bobulinski tells the story of their meeting behind a pillar in the bar at the Beverly Hills Two meetings, yeah. You know, that, that, uh, that is directly contradictory to what Biden said, which incidentally I never believed that Biden said he had never discussed uh, Hunter's business dealings. I mean, you know, he's got one son. Uh, and, and you know, I, I can tell you, I know what my kids are up to. And if they were up to business dealings in, in Beijing or Ukraine, it, it would have come up at some point. You know, I could see over, over Thanksgiving dinner, hey, what, what, what are you doing in Beijing these days? So uh, it, it certainly seems to contradict that, although I do think he's pretty thin on the question as to whether Biden actually gained any money financially from it. Jay, well, Joe Biden, not Hunter Biden. Well, it's just very, you know, just very interesting. If you're trading on his name, I think it's important. If he's got international interests, I think it's interesting. They did point out uh, that Jim Biden's percentage that he got from China doubled from 10 to 20 uh, million uh, out of nowhere when they were supposed to be 10, 10, and you'll hold 10 for H will hold 10 for the big guy. So here's the yeah, exact I, quote I, you're I referring not, to. I didn't. I didn't benefit a dime from that deal. I just want you to know. Look, I, I agree. I, Here, here's I, the I, quote. Always... Just, I know you love facts, so here's the exact quote. 2019, Biden was asked, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their business, period. Really? Okay. Game on. I, I know. I think that's – and because he was so clear on the record about that, as incidentally he was about that he didn't ever make a penny. He would said that in this last debate. I never took a penny from a foreign country or company. 
If you have evidence that directly contradicts that, I don't think we have that on the money. We certainly do on discussing it. Uh, I, I think that's worth reporting. No, I, I'm, I'm never comfortable when people say, you know, we know something or we are reporting and investigating something. I, I can understand the argument, look, until I have it locked down, I'm not going to report rumors. I think that's legitimate. But when somebody comes out on the record who was clearly involved in business with the Bidens and says, this happened, we had this meeting, I, I, I'm not comfortable with that not being reported. And I just can't believe it wouldn't be worthy what they do with Hillary Clinton's emails and put it on the front page of the New York Times. And I'm sure they didn't reluctantly. And I remember the New York Times did a lot of investigating on the Lewinsky scandal. They were pretty much indefatigable. People think it was drudge. No, the, the New York Times did a lot of work on that. Yeah. No, I did. But, yeah. you know, Trump uh, <laughs> Trump has led a lot of people in the wrong direction. And, and I think that that's true. Sometimes for his supporters, and I think it's sometimes it's true for his opponents or his, you know, the people who, who want to see him get beat. They they lose their their bearing and they end up doing things that I think they will later regret. But it's unbelievable. I mean, you could be incensed by any candidate or any talk show host or anything, but it should have almost nothing to do. Maybe a small percentage to do on how you angle a story. But to ignore it, the Wall Street Journal writes today, Joe Biden is asking voters to select him on the strength of his character, honesty, and judgment, which is why Biden owes a response to the new allegation about his son. So at least the Wall Street Journal wrote something in their editorial section. Now, was, now let me, can we just say something, though? Let's be fair and balanced here. Yep. It's also true for, for Donald Trump. Yep. Donald Trump is the only president since Richard Nixon yes. who hasn't revealed his tax returns. There's a lot of stuff that's extremely sketchy in his tax returns. Okay. I believe he was— blatant well come on let's let, let's be fair here no but i'm being fair but trump, you know but you, you're backing up well, let my me point finish. let me finish donald trump when he said that he had prepaid his taxes by millions of dollars and that's why it didn't show up on his tax returns i have actually asked accountants about that that is bull if you if 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 you owe a million dollars in taxes you could have paid a million dollars a year ago but your tax return will simply say that you owe a million dollars in taxes then when you're calculating whether you have to pay or you get a refund or you still owe money that's gotcha. a different calculation but your tax return still says what your tax obligation is so when it said 750 dollars was his tax obligation right. guess what that was his tax obligation we need to report but you, but you know it's great you know it's great chris that was covered in the New York Times. The New York Times had that story picked up on Twitter. If I wanted to pick up the New York Times story, I could, I could retweet it on Twitter. And you and I are talking about it. The president's asked about it multiple times in multiple town halls. And we can judge his answer. But to not be able to ask him a question with an election five days away and with the, everybody refusing on social media, the social media titans saying, we can't verify that. Therefore, we're not, even though Ron Johnson's committee has, therefore, we're not broadcasting the New York Post's uh, emails that they got from Hunter Biden's laptop, which were backed up by a receipt from Hunter Biden. That is a conversation. But he will not answer that question, which I think is is I think well, that's where we it. both I agree. Don't, I don't I don't know that he's answered it truthfully, but he's answered. Well, it. Let, let's see. Let's see what happens since this came out here. Here's the reporters yesterday. Uh, the shooting in Philadelphia, what do you say to Philadelphia residents that are outraged by yet another unarmed black man being shot by police? On your healthcare plan, do you have a bill ready to drop, and what did you learn from the ACA passage that's going to guide how you work on the improvements to the ACA, particularly whether
I didn't even hear what the question yeah, was. Yeah, basically they said, what about the ACA? Is it going to be si- your plan going to be similar? And they no, asked I, about the Philadelphia. I, 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 look, if I were on the beat, I'd ask the question. Okay. Uh, I'm not on the beat. And, you know, so but, – but, I, but, I mean, he's answered the question. Now, you can argue whether or not you believe him or not. You just played the clip where you – or you quoted it where he said, I did never spoken to him about it. Well, since these revelations the came out. But Chris, since these revelations came Welker out. When Welker asked him, yeah. he said, I haven't received a penny. So he's answered it. You can no, not I, believe but it. But as I answered the Bobolinsky allegations of meeting twice with a guy that was brought in for the family asset, and it was agreed on and in writing that he was the big guy involved and the chairman referred to by Hunter. And if you watch the interview, at the very least, you have endless amount of questions. And if you didn't, it's you welcome these questions. You know hard questions are great for people who have the answers. Chris, real before, uh, before we get caught up, in other things, just your prediction for Tuesday. If the election was to, if the election was today, who wins? What do you think by Tuesday? Could it change? Well, I, look. If you, if I, I, I was a, a victim of 2016, so I'm not going to make that same mistake again. This, if you go by the metrics that I've gone by for a half century, polling, uh, turnout, uh, you know, who we think is is voting, money, uh, where people are traveling. How, they're, how the candidates are acting, you would say that Biden is ahead. He's acting like he's ahead. Trump is acting like he's behind. H- having said that, four years ago, I would have said exactly the same thing. And it turned out all of that stuff didn't matter because there was this huge wave on Election Day. The one big difference between – well, there are a lot of differences. Trump is president. He's not just change. He's got a record. You've got the coronavirus. But the biggest difference is that you're going to have 70 or 80 million. You're going to have well over half the total votes that are cast that will have been cast before. So, you know, people say, for instance, well, it's getting tighter in a swing state. That's going to matter on Election Day, but it doesn't matter, you know, two weeks ago when people were voting if there was a bigger lead. So I I do think that, you know, Biden seems in a better position than Trump, but that was true four years ago and Trump won. So, you know, I'm going to wait and cover it and uh, not get too far over my skis. Your response to what's happening in Europe right now for the longest time said, you know, why can't we be more like Germany? Why can't we be more like France? Look at how Italy tackled the curve and how bad it was and how good it is. And no one's reveling in their trouble, but they are locking down in France and locking down in Germany, about to lock down despite wild protest in Italy. What's your response in the big picture? If we can move politics out of this, do people understand that this might be uncontrollable? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I heard what you said in your open. It's not it's not there's a difference between uncontrollable and controllable, which is there are mitigation things. There's something you can do in between. If you're saying you, we can here's the magic formula and we'll stop it from spreading. No, it's a deadly, uh, contagious uh, virus. There's no question about it. On the other hand, I don't think the response is therefore let's do nothing. Let's just shelter old people. And, and let everybody else run ragged because we have tried that, and that doesn't work. The answer is— Well, we never did is, that. And I don't, I, don't, I don't agree that we need to lock down everything, but there are certain things, behaviors, like bars late into the night that I think probably should be shut down. Uh, and, and people—it shouldn't be a political issue. You say take the politics out of it. Wear the damn mask. Social distance. Uh, wash your hands. Uh, you know, if the scientists say that will mitigate—won't stop it, but will mitigate it, I believe them. Do it, and Germany did it, and they still ended up with a second wave. What I'm trying to say is uh, the wave's coming. 
Uh, it's how you so handle you're it. We should do, wait a minute. Are you saying we should do nothing? No, do the same thing we're doing. But you can't blame people when it goes up. Because it's, well, our actions are almost uh, almost divorced from what we're seeing. We're getting hit with the second wave. We could wash our hands and stay six feet away and wear a mask. We're still going to get slammed. That's what it seems like. And that's what we're seeing in places, Europe. There are places that, that really took it seriously and did the mitigation. Not the lock. I'm not talking it was about lockdowns. Yeah. Well, well, how about New York, where I guess there have been a few spikes, but it's really under control. And a lot of the areas in the Midwest, like the Dakotas, they weren't doing that, and now they're paying a price for it. And but they, what were they doing right when it was low? Uh, I don't think it had spreaded to a lot of those areas. I mean, look at Sturgis. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to get Sturgis. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The, the quarter, half million people in in South Dakota at a motorcycle rally, all of them close together without wearing uh, masks. I mean, anybody who looked at that had to say this isn't going to be good. Uh, it just, you know, and I'm not against motorcycles. Yeah. I'm not against South Dakota. I'm just saying, look, gotcha. for, forgive you, forgive me. We're not scientists. With the, all the epidemiologists, all the public health infectious disease experts say you're better off wearing a mask than not wearing a mask. You're better off social distancing than not social distancing. I know, Chris, we're up against it, but um, we're doing all that. Germany did all that. So did France. Okay, and so, so did give Italy. up. Oh, you're right. Let's give up. <laughs> no, just do it. But understand it's coming. Uh, Fox News Sunday. Why, Chris? We're going to have, let me just say, we'll have Corey Lewandowski, senior advisor to the campaign, top Biden official, and Arnon Mishkin, the head of the Fox News decision team, the most important man on election night, who will explain how we're going to call states and when we're going to say states are too close to call. Chris Wallace. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So the president of the United States has got two big events today. He's going to be in uh, Tampa. He's going to be at Raymond James Stadium. Then he's going to go over to North Carolina. Another event he's going to do is he and the first lady are going to participate in a troop engagement at Fort Bragg. I also saw a study that showed everyone says that the president's not going to get the military vote. 52% of those surveyed by a military magazine said uh, they are picking Donald Trump. And I just don't know how people can look at Joe Biden and know what Gates said about him, know how McChrystal's people talked about him in that uh, famous famous Rolling Stone story that cost McChrystal his, his active military career. And then understand, too, that Democrats always go to cut the military. When Republicans want a deal, they say, OK, if we fund your military, we need you to fund these programs in return. So if you need money, that's where they're going. And I think those people and men and women in uniform realize that, especially if you work at the Pentagon, even on the civilian side. That, that's beyond a doubt. So Brian, kill me, Joe. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. He says he's going to win in the House. He thinks that's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're saying to him, that light is a train coming after you, Mr. President. With great patriotism, with great principle, we will protect 
our democracy in the House don't even think about coming to our House on this subject. Oh, really? Oh, that Nancy Pelosi being very contrite, looking to come together in times of crisis, uh, that she believes that the president's idea and prediction of winning the House is folly, to say the least. Kevin McCarthy, who would be speaker more than likely if that was to happen and in charge of getting more seats on the Republican side, joins us now. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. What do you think about her response to the president's proclamation? Well, it's exactly what she's done the whole time. Think about she has held up any relief trying to harm the economy. And what did we have today? Despite everything she's done holding it up, this president has just had the greatest growth at any time in American history. Um, This is just a fundamental difference, and this is why we'll take the House back. Nancy Pelosi has wasted her majority. Remember when she took over, she said they would act different. They would work across the aisle. They have done nothing. Name me one problem that they have solved since they have been in the majority. They have only caused more problems. Well, they said they have combined to pass other rescue packages. Did that help? They didn't combine. Every time, Brian, I've been in the room with Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Mnuchin. The only person every time we put a CARES package together that would hold it up was Nancy Pelosi. Remember when we first had it together and she held it that week because she wanted more money for the Kennedy Center? Or when that PPP, the, 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 the stuff that the small businesses needed to pay their employees that saved more than 50 million jobs, when that was running so well and we needed more money, she stood in front of a refrigerator with gourmet ice cream saying no on late night TV. Every single time she has held it up. Remember what her quote was. It's better to do nothing than something. Why does she want to do nothing? Because she'd rather harm the economy and make it all about politics, just like she did with impeachment and everything else. I like to have a president and a Congress that put people before politics, that has the wisdom to listen to all but the courage to lead. We do not get that with Nancy Pelosi. What about you, Governor Newsom? Uh, I I understand you guys have bent the curve, but you're not seeing any release of restaurants or stores or or work. (laughs) Well, think about this. We've got in L.A., We've got the uh, government official on tape when asked about a month and a half ago, when can schools open back up? You'd think it'd be based upon some data, some science, said not until after the election. They are very clear about the, what they want. They're very clear what they're fighting. They will, pu- they will harm people just to try to get an advantage politically. Look what they're talking about. You just take an example. I flew with the president yesterday. I went to the rallies. This is a man that is sitting there fighting and fundamentally knows tomorrow will be better than today. And there's nothing but doom and gloom on the Democratic side. They want America to hurt. They want it to go downward. And here's the president, the greatest growth we have ever had in the world of fighting the coronavirus. And he has not just a plan. He's defeating this. Think of the vaccines that are coming online, not years from now, but weeks. Think of the therapeutics that we have today. Think about our streets being safer. And what do we see in Philadelphia? More rioting. That's the biggest contrast I've ever seen in an election about what this president stands for and what the future looks like under a socialist democratic reign. So, uh, so Kevin, your, your goal is obviously to get back to House. Uh, what do you think the odds are of you getting that? Well, it all stems down to we first have to win 
President Trump another four years, and then we've got to get him uh, the House members. It only takes 17 seats. Now, remember this, Brian. No one gave me a chance when I became leader. There are more Republicans in Congress today and fewer Democrats since I became leader. We won that Mike Garcia race out in California, a seat that Hillary carried that we had not flipped in 22 years, a Democrat to Republican. They just won it by seven points. We won it by 10. There are 42 other seats that look that are better for us than that. I'm down in Miami today with Carlos Jimenez, the mayor of Miami-Dade. He's up right now. This is a seat that if we're winning this seat, we're winning other seats across the country as well. And we, ha- we have more women running as Republicans than at any time in the history. Two years ago, there were only 44 Republican women who passed the primary. Today, we're at 95. From Nancy Mace in Charleston, South Carolina, to Stephanie Bice in Oklahoma City, to Yvette Harold in New Mexico, you're going to see a new wave of individuals of Republicans that are so diverse that you haven't seen before. You're going to be so proud. All right. So Burgess Owens says an hour before coming on uh, Fox last night, he got an email from the Desert News, major news outlet that they need. They hear they are actually ceasing advertising at five for five days into five days from the election. They have stopped accepting his ads. They pulled them down and there's nothing offensive about them. Have you heard about this? Is this happening elsewhere? This is happening. What what is happening on social media? They are doing everything in their power to determine an outcome of an election. You know what's so interesting? Burgess Owens just about a week ago took the lead in that race in Salt Lake City. So now they want to control the media, what people could see. Why can't people get the information? People want to have information. Do we not trust people to be smart enough to be able to gather and make their own decisions? Or, or is the media outlets trying to determine what right. your decision should be? That is what is happening here. So the president's got it. Uh, in the last five days, he's got between 11 and 14 rallies on the docket. When he goes out that, there, the mess, could you describe the messaging, the feeling at these live events compared to 2016? Kevin, it you, took you like an, an hour to get on board the Trump train. So you've been there since the beginning. I know for a fact he likes you and respects you a lot. So you're not, you're not a new convert to this, nor are you new to the crowds and passion that he gets, as well as the hatred. So tell me what it's like out there. I see bigger crowds, more excitement, but more diverse crowds. If you would see a number of Latinos that were at that crowd yesterday, not silent, chanting for this president, saying, I love you, I've never seen anything like it. And when you just talked about he has 11 to 14 more rallies before now in the election, that is probably more than Joe Biden did his entire time running. How can you be the leader or want to be the leader of the free world if you're refusing for voter engagement and you're killing American industry when you talk about that? are defending – what is his foreign entanglement? I mean he doesn't want to go out there because he doesn't want to answer the question. This president, it's excitement. You're proud to be an American. You know tomorrow is going to be better, and you're watching the future before your eyes. So yesterday, Big Tech went to Capitol Hill, and uh, not not for the most part. They used to go to Capitol Hill. Now they do stuff for, uh, virtually. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So Jack Dorsey, oh, yeah. who looked like he was in some type of haze – who runs, he obviously has to be a genius. He's CEO of one of the most successful companies in the country, uh, was, taked on, was taken on by Ted Cruz and others because they decided, among other things, to, to disable the president's account 65 times, zero for Joe Biden, zero for the Grand Ayatollah, as well as stop a story from coming out which had Hunter Biden's emails who may have implicated Joe Biden lying uh, to the American public. 
Listen to this battle. Cut nine. You don't believe Twitter has any ability to influence elections? No, we are one part of a spectrum of communication channels that people have. So you're testifying to this committee right now that, that, that Twitter, when it silences people, when it censors people, when it blocks political speech, that has no impact on elections? People, people have choice of other communication channels with which... Not if, not if they don't hear information. If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? I cannot tell you how frustrating it was to hear this and to have somebody really not engage in the conversation, diminish their impact. Yet the president actually put Twitter on the map, you could say, in a way they never thought possible before. What do you do in the short term? Twitter was going to collapse before President Trump. People were talking, will it survive? And when you looked at Jack, it was a cross between Tom Cruise's castaway and the last days of Howard Hughes. I just didn't see what this man was talking about or where he was going, uh, what he has involved into. But now he's not even hiding the fact he's trying to determine the outcome of an election. You had Tucker Carlson talking about this issue, getting specific information with almost 8 million viewers, and it's not trending on Twitter? Nope. That's impossible. They have to put their thumb on it, and that's exactly what they're doing. So this, this guy, uh, Anonymous, uh, his name is Miles Taylor, who was a part of the resistance, embedded in the administration for two years, been a mystery. Now he's a CNN contributor, but he never owned up to it until yesterday. And he started writing a book. He wrote a book. He profited from it. He wrote a column. The New York Times kept his identity quiet but said he was a high-ranking official, and he isn't. He was a deputy to Kirsten Nielsen, who was Homeland Security Secretary. That is not high-ranking. What do you make of this? It is such an embarrassment to the New York Times. You can't believe anything he says. This guy is about the equivalent of an intern coordinator. He doesn't have interaction with the president. And the way the New York Times played it, you remember this, Brian. I know. It, it, you would have thought it was the chief of staff. I mean, this is the top – these are the top three people around this president. This guy, I don't know when he was ever around the president. What information would he ever have? And he's being paid by CNN? Being paid by CNN, and I guess Chris Cuomo yesterday said, basically, you lied to us. You shouldn't even be on the payroll. He was asked directly by Anderson Cooper, are you anonymous? And he – he said, no, I'm not. And he says, well, this is the same principle of the Federalist Papers. They didn't put their name on the missives as they described the Constitution. My goodness, you talk about an inflated opinion of yourself. You put yourself in Alexander Hamilton's shoes and say, <laughs> I, I, this is the equivalent of the Federalist Papers, a poorly written book, which I was stupid enough to download and pay for, which provided absolutely no insight. Well, he had no insight, and people wouldn't believe he was anonymous because the New York Times was selling as a high-ranking person. This one was not. This person isn't ranking nor high. I mean, it's appalling to me. The New York Times once again failed and shows why you could ever trust anything in the New York Times is beyond me. But they're still keeping this story off the front page. So, having said all that, uh, talking to the president. This 2016-2020, he's, he's been two weeks ago, he was three weeks ago, he was in the hospital. Now he's doing two or three or four events a day. So does he understand, does he believe that the outcome is in his hands? Or is there a part of him who feels as though the die has been cast either way already? No, I've never known a person that has a greater work ethic than him. 
I was just with him last night till 1130 at night, watched him through these different rallies, sat and talked to him about what's going on, sat and talked to him about the different policy issues. When he got done, he was going to he was going to do a couple more telephone town hall meetings. Right, <laughs> this guy has n- I've never seen someone. When he went into Walter Reed the day he went in, I talked to him. He called me at eleven o'clock that night. I want to have a president that can actually work and listen to people. Joe Biden, we're going to wake up every morning at nine o'clock. Wonder if he's going to go to work that day. And the other thing, you, I think this whole race comes down to two states: Pennsylvania and Arizona. That's really because if you think – I think the president's won Texas. I, I, I'm in Florida. I think he's won Florida. He's won Georgia. He's won Iowa. He's won North Carolina. That gets you to 280, and the rest is all right. But really when you sit back and think about this, there are clear reasons why you should vote for President Trump. Gotta be interesting we're more prosperous. We're yeah. safer. This is fundamental. Biden has nothing to offer but doom and gloom. And lastly, we got this unrest in Philly, which is real. We saw the looting, which is real. We saw it out of control, which happened. And again, we got the racial strife because a white officer shot a black man who was charging at him with a knife. So what does that – how does that figure into this? Well, I'll tell you, the number one thing you don't do is cut the police, provide more funding for more training. And police training, if you've talked to any officers that are trained, if it's 21 feet with somebody with a knife, that's when you have to go because they can, they can stab you at that point. Um, I think the first thing we need also is more body cameras, but more training, more community policing, and exactly what the president has done with the executive orders. Remember what Kamala Harris did when we had Tim Scott's police reform coming before the Senate? What did, he do? what did she do? She stopped it from even being debated when he offered more than 20 amendments. She said no because once again, just like Nancy Pelosi, she'd rather play politics with the issue than solve it. And think about it. If Kamala is elected vice president, she is, in essence, president. Just listen to Joe Biden. And what are we going to get? San Francisco policies. You're going to get sky-high taxes. You're going to get sidewalks nobody wants to walk on. And you're going to get more sanctuary cities. It's an exciting time. Um, And the one thing I would love for you to do, and I'm showing my bias, please retire Nancy (laughs) Pelosi. I feel like she hurts the country. I don't feel every Democrat hurts the country, I'm not by a long shot, but I really feel she hurts the country. Um, I do, too. Look, if we are fortunate enough that the people trust us to have the majority, I'm going to invite the entire country to that swearing in because <laughs> I want to watch them sh- see the gavel pass over to me. And I will promise the American public this, that we have a commitment to America, that we have a plan to end COVID, a plan to keep our streets safe. To have 10 million more jobs. We built one great economy. We'll build another one. And we'll make sure that we have an infrastructure plan ready to go. We will always have the wisdom to listen to you, but the courage to lead. And that's exactly what we'll do with the gavel. All right. Go get him, Congressman. Sprint to the All finish. Right. Take care. Congressman Kevin McCarthy, 1 866 408 7669. Every big name opinion maker eventually makes their way to our microphones because Brian asks the tough questions and even some easy ones. You're with Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Paul is in uh, watching on Fox Nation. Uh, hey, Paul, you're over in Maryland. Yeah. What? Hey, Brian. Go ahead. My question is, or what I'm 
wondering is why anybody isn't now asking a question. So you have what Biden said at the debate about phasing out America's oil industry. Now we hear what Mr. Bobolinsky said about his uh, financial stake in the Chinese and Russian energy industry. So I think the president should just kind of put that thought bubble out there. You know, everybody's trying to drill down and make the the connection. Did Biden receive money and what did he know? To me, as an American, I, that to me just sounds like a conflict right there. Well, now we kind of know it wasn't. Why would he say something like that if he knew that let, let me you rely on China and Russia for uh, our oil and gas? Um, and I don't hear anybody kind of making that connection now, knowing what we know about what's come out yes, tied it, to what he said at the debate. Paul, you're very smart because, you know, if we stop with the oil and gas and stop with the cows and the planes uh, and we go back to wind and rain, whatever we need, uh, guess who benefits? Moscow. Uh, guess who right. benefits? Yeah. And then we start competing and paying for this stuff uh, with China. And competing there, are we going to go to Venezuela? Don't think so. Are we going to go to uh, Iran? Don't think so. So it jeopardizes our security, and it absolutely jeopardizes our economy. Good point. Uh, George, real quick, WDBO. Hey, Brian. um, Yeah, thank you. Hey, there is a resource in front of you that I don't know you might be overlooking. You have a sphere. um, I have a sphere of influence in my family and my close friends that trust me. And the the discussions around the the, the, uh, kitchen table, uh, my kids and some of my friends did not know about uh, the Bubblinski and the the, um, laptop until I mentioned it. And so I think if you uh, would give your listeners a charge and just do, you know, rock, uh, wash, rinse, and repeat times a couple million, you're going to move that dial a little bit. All right. It sounds good. I've been talking about it a lot, but I'll start doing it on social media, too. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Coming to you from New York and heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. John Taffer, for, you know, from Bar Rescue, just sat down with the president yesterday in Nevada. If you want to know about the hospitality industry, the travel industry, the hotel business, he's the guy to talk to. He interacted with the president. Want to get his impression. We'll bring some highlights. Ari Fleischer is going to be with us, one of the uh, the deepest thinkers, a Mr. Crisis Manager, a former press secretary to George W. Bush, Fox News contributor. He'll be with us shortly. So before we waste any more time, Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Well, as bad as the COVID surge is here, it's worse in Europe, which accounted for nearly half of all new cases globally last week. And the former head of the FDA warns we are just three weeks behind them. Corona comeback. Lockdowns riddle Europe. Germany and France are facing new restrictions. Italy is next. The UK is already in regional restrictions. Wait, I thought Europe did it right. I thought Trump should have been taking a page from Merkel and Macron. Now maybe the world, and especially Democrats, will understand there's only one nation to blame. It's China. And free societies societies are not built to beat the pandemic. Number two. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? Unnatural selection. Never in American history have we seen more stark example of media bias 
in big tech as they get grilled on Capitol Hill, Facebook, Twitter, and Google, and effectively defend accusation of a conservative bias. Plus, a whistleblower with integrity steps forward and tells his story and what he witnessed of the Biden family corruption. And he is pretty much ignored. Meanwhile, Anonymous has finally revealed his role, overly hyped, and his story covered everywhere. And in most circles, lauded because he smeared the commander-in-chief. Number one. We created the greatest economy in the history of the world. And if that number's not big, you don't even have to vote for me, okay? The I'm numbers- taking a chance when I say that you don't even have to vote for me. The number's big. 2020, five days and counting. I'm talking about a growth of 33%. Five days in counting now until Election Day. The 45th president is racing across the country while his challenger strolls from small venue to small venue. Today, a drive-in in Tampa while the president will be in the parking lot of Raymond James Stadium, site of the Super Bowl. Ari Fleischer, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be with you, Brian. So uh, how do you feel roughly five days out here in 2020 as compared to 2016? Do you recall? I feel similar. You know, in 2016, five days out, I, I thought it was over. I remember the polling in Florida came in, and it was really bad for Trump. And I remember thinking, if you can't win Florida, you can't win. And so I was among those people who was shocked on election night. And I feel the same going into 20. Um, the only difference is having lived through 16, you can't rule it out. Trump could win, and Rasmussen actually has him in a position to win. Has him up in Florida in a real clear average or dead heat. He's closing the gap in Michigan. He's not. It's widening in Wisconsin, in Arizona and North Carolina, a virtual dead heat, which means Election Day this could be decided. What role with the fact that 70 million have already voted? Well, I think we're going to blow through all the record turnout ever. We're going to have an excess. Let me put it this way. We had 135 million turnout in 16, which was a record. We're going to break that record and have more than 150 million. So the Democrats are energized. They're pouring into the polls to vote against Trump. Trump's people are energized. They're pouring into the polls to vote for him. Uh, so, I mean, this is that anything can happen election night. But I'll tell you this, Brian. If Trump wins, everyone should forever disregard the mainstream media and especially the pollsters. You know, if, if by every traditional measuring stick, Joe Biden should win in a landslide. If it doesn't happen and it didn't happen in 16 the way they said it would, boy, do we have a license and a good reason to ignore the media. I know you're not a pollster, but just when you see things like Joe Biden just said, I can't believe it, uh, Texas is in play and Beto O'Rourke says it's yours to lose. But I talk to experts, they say the president's up at least five. And Carl Rove says, don't believe it, they're not pouring money, but Kamala Harris is there today. What do you think they really think? Yeah, I think she's there as a media play. I, I, I really think that's what her going to Texas is all about. The Democrats are wasting their time and money in, if they put any in Texas. Texas won, Trump won Texas by nine uh, in 2016. Now, that was less than Republicans traditionally win Texas. There is a trend going on in Texas. But what really saves Texas for Republicans in this trend is Texas Hispanics vote much more conservatively in Republican than Hispanics in the rest of the United States, uh, with the possible exception of portions of Florida. So I'm not worried about Texas at all. Well, you also figure in the oil and gas, and I don't think many people are buying that the that Joe Biden's short-term interests are starting wanting to level that out. He said fossil fuels are history, 
Yeah. And that doesn't really make people feel good. The tens, like the 20 million that are involved in that. All right, I'm going to factor something else in. First, the pandemic, but at the very first is the economy. Now the numbers came in, they're stunning. Because we fell so much in the second quarter, 10% off GDP, the economy grew at 7%. Uh, it is now added, uh, grew at 33% in a very short time. Uh, we have non-durable goods growing at 83%, durable goods growing at 45%. So, excuse me, we lost 9% of the GDP. We gained back 7%, an overall growth of 33%. So the president does have a positive story to tell, and the market's slightly up today, much better than yesterday. Well, the lesson here is we cannot shut things down again, and the president is right. That's the damage that's done to America. Now, when we reopened the economy, and if you remember, everybody in the media was pounding the governor of Georgia for reopening the economy and letting barbers go back to work. You cannot help people. You cannot aid those who suffer only through government money. You have to let people resume their lives. And we have to learn, and Trump's right on this, to do two things at once, live with the virus and get back to work. Joe Biden says we have to die, learn to die by the die with the virus. That came out as one of the clearest differentiations in the second debate. Trump saying we have to live with the virus. Biden saying we have to learn to die with the virus. Trump's right. Well, I heard you messaging before. So the president coming out saying I got it and I, I was able to beat it. I think if he could add into that message again, I was lucky. And I think about all those 123,000, yeah, right. no, 220,000 that were not able to beat it every day. And so we I haven't beat it, it yet. If and we're beating it in. because of vaccines around the corner, as Trump puts, points out. How far around the corner is hard to say. But both Trump and Biden are, are, are partially right. Trump's right to be optimistic about rounding the corner in the future with vaccines. Biden's right about the tremendous damage this has done. Now, when it comes to what are you going to do about it, Trump wins because he's the only one who will continue to pursue the vaccines and keep the economy open. Biden will shut it down and harm more people. And you, you could really go to the governors and point to that and say, that's your governor uh, batting you down. I provide the material. They provide the rulings. And that's, that's right. Michigan and that's Wisconsin. And he needs both of them, but they're ex both experiencing a surge right now. But there's somebody else experiencing a surge, and that's the people we, we were told to look up to. If we only had a president like Merkel, if we only had leadership <laughs> like Macron. So listen to what's happening in Europe. And I don't revel in this, but I do note it. Let's listen. President Emmanuel Macron said France needed a lockdown to act as a brutal break on COVID. Starting Friday until December, no one in France can leave home without a good reason. Those schools and factories will stay open, but non-essential businesses will have to close. France's hospitals are feeling the strain, with more than half of all intensive care beds already full. In Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel announced what she called burdensome measures, too. Restaurants will have to close, so will bars and movie theaters. These are radical moves in a country where masks and widespread testing had, until now, kept the infection rates low. Ari, if you, you imagine, no one revels in this. It's, it's hellacious. But my goodness, when are we going to start blaming the virus and exactly, not people? Exactly, Brian. Ex exactly. And is Joe Biden now going to start to run against Merkel and Macron the way he does against Trump? I mean, this is the virus. And, and this is why when it comes to what options do you have as we wait for a vaccine, the best is to do both. 
go to work, go to school, live with it, be cautious. You know, I, I wish the president was more empathetic. It would have helped his cause. It is what's helping Biden. But again, you put your finger on it. The problem is the virus. It's, it's not much more else. And pretty amazing, too, because Australia, Melbourne, evidently they've been under. They were told not to go outside in Australia. You yeah. Know, I factor in Belgium. Uh, I factor in Poland. And factor in Russia's even admitting to high numbers, which they never admit to. There's really Taiwan and South Korea and Japan, but they've experiencing many second surges, but they're tr- dramatically different than this. So, and I don't think China's ever told the truth about it. I don't believe China's numbers about the whether they've been able to suppress it or not. I, I just don't believe China at all. Lastly, on Bobolinsky, I found him, and you're a communications expert, uh, eminently believable. I know two people that know him and uh, from his wrestling days at Penn State, and they said the guy is a stand-up guy and a self-made multimillionaire. I listened to his story, and I bought it. Did Jonah Goldberg is somebody I respect that didn't. He said, I have problems with his story. Do you have problems with, his, with him? I don't know enough. But what I do know is he's on the record, he is doing interviews, and it is an absolute shame that the mainstream media has suppressed this story. I mean, Brian, we're in a world where the press gave front page, lead the news for weeks, for months, coverage of a phony dossier against Donald Trump, and they will not cover it. On the record, interview with a man who was Hunter Biden's business partner. And the only issue here, it's not about Hunter, it's about whether Joe Biden lied. Joe Biden said he never discussed business with his son. And his son's partner says that Burisma thanked him for the opportunity to meet with Joe Biden. And so the the issue here is Biden's honesty. We know his son is an influence peddler. He won't be the first. He won't be the last. But what did Biden know and why won't the press cover it? That's the issue. There is. And Devin Archer, who's in jail, is golfing with Joe Biden. And the okay. Kazakhstan business person, a picture with Joe Biden. Uh, there was a meeting that took place with the Brisbane executive in Washington with Joe Biden. A thank you note was out there. Uh, so this is pretty amazing. How could business not come up? And how could a guy own so many houses who worked for $200,000 for 47 years? Uh, yeah. So just to show you how things have changed, and you, you could tell me this. You lived it. When Monica Lewinsky's story was raging, it was on the front page of the New York Times. might have even been broken there. Drudge Report, I think, technically had it first, but they ran with it. The emails of Hillary Clinton were uh, were in the New York Times. You could find them in the Washington Post. That story was there. You can't find that here. And guess who else surprised by it? Two business partners talking with Bobolinsky on the phone, talking about, hey, if you go forward, you're going to ruin our lives. They fully expected to be on the front page of the Times yep. and the Washington Post. Listen to this exchange, Cut 24. I just think that uh, if it's... If if somebody comes out now and verifies the story, it 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 blows up big time. That's all. We've got this we've got this situation now where it's escalated again because somebody, allegedly one of us three, has qualified the uh, the story, and uh, already it's back on the front pages. But it isn't. We got up and it's not there. The Wall Street Journal demanding that Biden explain in the editorial section, that's it. The press in America is is broken. They take sides. They put their finger on the scale. It's in the tankism. They have abandoned their central core mission, which is to report the news without fear or favor. And they are so driven to get rid of Donald Trump 
that they will suppress information that they normally would cover. We're just in a very sad spot with the media in America. And, you know, you even look at it with this anonymous guy who turns out to have been a policy advisor at the Department of Homeland Security in the New York Times, called him a senior administration official and gave him the cloak of anonymity to take down Trump. How can you believe the press when they report a quote from somebody anonymous anymore? a senior administration official. The press is just out to get Donald Trump, and it's one of the reasons I defend the president so much, because I believe in fairness, Brian. And when I see people who are not fair and who are relentlessly relentlessly pile on, and I have my share of criticism for Donald Trump, but I'll be fair, which is way more than the mainstream media is. And he knows that, and I think that's why he appreciates that. I'm going to add something else. When I look at these Lincoln Project, when I look at people see what Joe Biden is going to do and refuse to answer about packing the court, about raising taxes, about when it comes to law and law, um, criminal justice reform, there's nothing conservative about what Joe Biden or moderate what he's going to do. And how can you look at both men and their policies, call yourself a conservative and think that backing Joe Biden is going to further your cause? You know, I wrote an op-ed in The Hill today, came out today, and I explained who I'm voting for and why. And I walked through what I objected Donald Trump about, and I was very frank and blunt about it. But my conclusion is that while Donald Trump may be personally offensive, he, as an outsider, has done an awful lot of good things and will sign a lot of good things into law, while Joe Biden is professionally offensive. (laughs) And he as a liberal, will sign a lot of bad things into law and is nothing but a typical politician. And that's the difference in this race. And that's why I'm voting for Donald Trump. Ari Fleischer, I could talk to you for four hours, but I can't afford your fee. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. This was free. Free uh, of charge. Okay, good. Just, thank just goodness. for you. Thank goodness. I have a voucher. Uh, Ari Fleischer, thanks. It's going to be an exciting five days. When we come back, your turn. one 408 John Taffer, Bar Rescue, just spoke to the president. Great interview. You're going to love to hear it. We'll bring you the highlights. And John Taffer. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I mean, I can't believe this. I'm just hearing the story now. $2.3 million stolen from the Wisconsin GOP to reelect Donald Trump. They just lost it. It's incredible to me. one 408 Here's Tucker Carlson on something else being lost. Last night, he described getting paperwork from Tony Bobolinsky mailed to the New York location, and he needed it out in Los Angeles, so they overnighted it. Listen to what happened. Cut 23. At the time we received them, our, my executive producer, Justin Wells, and I were in Los Angeles preparing to interview Tony Bobolinsky about the Biden's business dealings in China, Ukraine, and other countries. So we texted a producer in New York, and we asked him to send those documents to us in L.A., and he did that. So Monday afternoon of this week, he shipped those documents overnight to California with a large national carrier, a brand-name company that we've used, you've used countless times with never a single problem. But the Biden documents never arrived in Los Angeles. Tuesday morning, we received word from the shipping company that our package had been opened and the contents were missing. The documents had disappeared. How weird is that? And they went and tracked it down, and they found it. At, uh, they went all the way step of the way, and they found it at 3.40 in the morning. Something happened at 3.40 in the morning en route to getting to them where the package is open and the documents are gone. 
Julie listening on FM News Talk 97.1 in St. Louis. Hey, Julie. Hi. It's so insulting to watch Biden walk up to a podium and then remove his mask. It's just a prop. All Trump should be doing is running the video from the H1N1 virus, where the news folks reported that 60 million people had the virus, and then run the Ron Klain video saying they got lucky that it wasn't more lethal. Trump says that Biden screwed up the response, but people have no idea how many people had that virus. And if it were a little more lethal, we would be worse off than we are now with Corona. And Julie, what you're referring to is Ron Klain, his chief of staff, said it's not that we did uh, did anything to get that outcome. In fact, they did everything wrong. They were just extremely lucky. Right. Why that was his chief of staff. And, they, and we need to know the number of people who were sick. People have forgotten that. I know, because they didn't die, thankfully. Uh, unfortunately, this is much more lethal. And not a single, really, only a handful of the 189 countries have been able to handle it for now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Last time, the PPP plan covered about eight weeks worth of payroll. Yes, exactly. Would you like to see it longer this time? I could see it longer, or we'll just do an extension when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Either way would be okay with me, but we definitely want to do it. And we definitely will do it. And we want to get deductibility for the restaurants again. Yeah. Do you remember you're an old-time restaurant, too? Do you remember the old days when you had deductibility? Of course. When they took that away, it actually really hurt the restaurant business. It actually became a smaller business. You know, people say, oh, this restaurant's successful. But it was never successful like it was before. So we're going to get deductibility back. For business meals. Yes. So that'll be interesting, right? I'll be taking you guys out a lot more, right? Hey, Eric and Pete, you've been doing such a good job. Now that Allison's not in today, let's go out to lunch. And I could deduct it right off, uh, right off my credit card. John Taffer, uh, uh, my taxes. John Taffer joins us now, the bar from Bar Rescue fame, one of the most respected restaurateurs, uh, expert in the entertainment industry. Uh, rejoins us, John. Welcome back. Uh, great to be here, Brian. You know the president. You met him before. He's trying to get you to run for Congress. Kevin McCarthy was too. <laughs> uh, what was it like seeing him yesterday? Uh, it was terrific. You know, Brian, I expected him to be respectful and courteous and all of that, but he was so gracious and kind and very open. And I must tell you when, you, when you sit and you talk with the president, and you have, and the way he looks into your eyes, and this is a man who's extremely comfortable with himself, with the presidency, his, his knowledge is shocking to me. His detail of bills and numbers and tax implications, uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was very surprising to me. I expected a lot, I must tell you. But but uh, uh, he really impressed the heck out of me. Well, two things. He, you know Nevada, and he yep. needs Nevada. Uh, he was certainly like Very him. much. Number two, yeah, there's no business, I would argue, that's been hurt more, maybe travel, tourism, than the restaurant business uh, through this pandemic. And you called it. You called it. It had to totally change when it's done, and, and many of these businesses are not coming back. As you watch Europe shut down again, and you watch some of these states start shutting down again, this was a very important conversation for you two to have. It was, Brian. You know, these are my friends that are going out of business, and I have hundreds of friends in bars and restaurants that have gone out of business. And what really frustrated me is I've heard nothing articulated from the Biden camp, specifically with regard to restaurant stimulus. And the restaurant industry has lost more employees than any other industry. 
uh, uh, so we used to employ about 16 million in a million restaurants. So, so that number is way down. So I wanted to hear from the Biden camp what their policies are for restaurant stimulus, and I wanted to hear from the Trump camp. So we reached out to both, trying to be nonpartisan, Brian. Yeah. I want to hear positions from both sides. We did hear back from the Trump camp. Uh, uh, the interview was set up. We have not heard back from the Biden camp other than they did receive our proposal. And it was a wonderful opportunity. And uh, my focus wasn't to be combative with the president or be uh, endorsive of the president. My purpose was to identify specific policies and platforms that he'll commit to to support my industry. And he did. And, right? and he fact, committed to another a run around the PPP. What he added to that was the PPP program would cover past debt. That's a biggie. That is. So if I'm behind four or five months on my rent, the PPP plan would provide that relief. The other biggie that he committed to was to reinstitute the business meal deduction. That's big. And when the restaurant industry lost that 20 years ago, about 20 years ago, Brian, it had a serious revenue impact on us. So that's a biggie. And then the third commitment that I got from him was a domestic travel incentive plan. And, Brian, if we can fill those airplanes, we'll start to fill Las Vegas. We'll start to fill Nevada, Miami. All these destinations will start to come back. Those were three big commitments that we got from the president. And I'd love to hear from the Biden camp because they haven't articulated anything. And well, it worries the heck out of me. Yeah, good luck through that. Uh, cut 43. What would you say to the restaurant operators who are struggling now and, and we're counting on you yeah. to come through for yeah. us? And we do think of you as one of us. What would you say to us to have us hang in there and get past these next few months? All I say to them is hang on, hang in. It's coming back, and it'll be better than before. Because if we can do a couple of the things like deductibility, you understand as a real restaurateur, you understand exactly what I mean. If we get deductibility and some other things back, the restaurant business will be better than it was before. Well, a couple of things, uh, John. People got to feel safe. You know that. You were the first one to say it. Uh, number yep. two is uh, number two is a lot of these businesses can't pay their rent today, and they yep. need they need the landlords to back off, and the banks need to back off the landlords. That I know it's simple. What I just said is too simple. I get it, but don't don't we need this ripple effect? Well, we need it, and we need it quickly. The other thing that the president said is, I asked with the deadlock of stimulus. You know, when we would expect something. And he articulated quite clearly in, in, that he believes that there's no chance of any stimulus till post election. Uh, now, of course, we're getting close to the election now, but for the past month, he's felt that there's no purpose to doing it till after the election. So after the election, we'll see him jump into this pretty aggressively, and hopefully we'll see a stimulus plan pretty quickly. But, Brian, you're right. Every day matters. Every month matters. And it has to work up the chain. The bank has to forgive the landlord. The landlord has to forgive the tenant. And there needs to be some program to affect that. And or just provide the debt relief at the PPP level, let the tenant pay the landlord and the landlord pay the bank. That's the simplest of solutions. And that seems to be the one that the president favors. Right. And there's a couple other things going on in that, for example, in New York City, where I'm at. So they wanted to get open. These restaurants want to get open. They want to get open. And what a lot of them found out is they got open, only could get 15 percent capacity, but there's no people around. So they had to close within 10 days. I, I went across the street to on 47th Street, and I went to this bar, and they say, "Yeah, we're all, we can't believe we're finally open after five months. Great!" And after getting 11 people one day, five the next, 10 the next, they were closed by that next Monday. 
Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Brian, is I pulled all the national sales numbers through the uh, transaction companies and shift for payments is a big one. They share their data with me. New Jersey is ahead of last year right now in restaurants for less. Wow. And so is Connecticut. And, and it's interesting. Nobody talks about that, how regional this is. So Connecticut and New Jersey are ahead because of the closure in New York. Isn't that interesting? Fascinating. So because Long actually, Island's doing okay. Now it's doing okay, but it's interesting. All the business from Manhattan when people didn't come to work yeah. was displaced to New Jersey and Connecticut. Right. Uh, so here you talked about travel, more of your conversation with President Trump. Cut 40. When we look at a destination like Las Vegas or Miami and these tourist right. destinations, of course, you know, we're not going to come back until the planes are full again. And I've heard you mention just in passing that you've looked at some domestic travel incentives. Right. Is that something you're still committed to? So we're doing, we're doing a lot. We're working very hard with the airlines. I agree with you. You have to feel comfortable getting on a plane to make Nevada, really the whole state, whether it's Las Vegas or not, but Nevada, really where it was seven months ago. You know, we had, we created something that was the most successful economically that we've ever been. That includes this state. It includes Las Vegas itself, which I know very well. Here we are in a Trump building. So we are doing a lot of things having to do with tourism, and it's all coming due. So he, he, he sees it. And with the vaccine, we got to be ready to launch when that vaccine comes out. And that's one of the things you're hoping. It is, right? You know, and, and it looks like we're at 60 to 90 days. Look, even Fauci said we'll have 700 doses by April. What he didn't say was how many will we have in January? How many will we have in February and March? We're not going to get them all the same day. So when we look at the numbers, we're looking at you know, 100 million doses probably in January, another couple hundred million in February. So I see the restaurant industry really having a heck of a spring. But these restaurants need the resources to be able to capture that, Brian. We're not going to have a heck of a spring if they can't pay their rent, if they can't buy food, if they can't get their employees back on board. So I see, and the president does as well, we see a real opportunity this spring. And Brian, look, you're in a business. Your dad was in a business. Here's what I believe. I believe the minute people get a vaccine, the next thing they're going to do is go to dinner. <laughs> I believe that. So so yeah. that's Boomtown. That's Boomtown. Absolutely. And but, and when you, <laughs> I just want to say, too, that the restaurants have been flexible. What they've done with takeout business, in many cases, has been flat-out phenomenal. It's the ingenuity of the American spirit to say, we have to change gears. Oh, and some restaurants have done it so well, Brian, and even decorating outdoor areas to create a nice ambiance when you're sitting outside. And it's reinvented the business. Now delivery is about 70 to 80 percent of the industry. It used to be about 5 to 10 percent. Now it'll, it'll always stay, I believe, at 20, 25 percent. People have found that restaurants can deliver really quality food at home. And it's, it's a, what I'm going to call a meal replacement program for cooking at home. So I think we're going to see delivery maintain even as restaurants open up. So I know you thought about running for Congress, John Taffer. Do you regret not doing it? I'm not sure I regret not doing it. That doesn't mean I, I wouldn't consider it in the future. It was very close for me. You know, when I was asked, uh, Brian, I, did, I have businesses and there were conflicts and I just didn't have the time to get it together for this cycle. But I'm very much considering it for the next one. Uh, especially if he gets in, you'd have an ally in the White House. Uh, clearly, you appreciated the questions. he get off the typical topics that he normally gets from people. He did, and, and he is a hospitality guy. And when I said that to him, he lit up, he smiled, he was proud of it. And, uh, you know, and as a hospitality person, we have a hospitality guy in the White House. That's pretty cool as a restaurant, bar, or hotel guy. He understands our business. He does have an affection for it. 
And that's why I'm concerned if there's a transition to Vice President Biden. I don't know his policies. I'm not certain if he relates to the industry. So even in a non-political sense, Brian, it's, it's very concerning. Absolutely. So, John, you're going to be on Fox & Friends tomorrow. We'll get a chance to see some of your interaction with them locally there, people starting in Nevada. The other thing is, can you give us an idea of where he, how uh, the president's doing on the ground there? He thought he could win it last in 2016. And I know Heller had that seat for a while, lost it. Uh, barely. But I also understand yeah. the uh, there's a few unions that are not signing on with Biden and they could make a difference. There are a few, Brian, and there's a real energy for the president here. Uh, uh, and it's it's you know, as one who's traveled around the country, I can remember being on Neil Cavuto's show, the election, a couple of days before the election, and, and everybody was predicting Hillary. And I said, listen, I've been around the country. There's something going on out there. And it turns out that it was true. I sense that again. And I think we have a real shot at winning Nevada. And uh, I think a lot of the union workers in this state have to realize we have a friend in the White House in the hospitality business who's really focused uh, on bringing Nevada back, bringing hotels back, bringing hospitality back, and shifting away from that as a hospitality person. Uh, is not very logical, and I think people need to assess that who are in the hospitality business. John Taffer is doing Bar Rescue in the seventh season on the Paramount Network. He's going to be on Fox & Friends tomorrow, new episode Sunday at 10 o'clock, and he just had an exclusive interview with the President of the United States, and I know for a fact that he thoroughly enjoyed it, and you heard a little bit why. John Taffer, thanks so much. Great, Brian. Nice to talk, buddy. Go get it. Uh, go get him. one 408 I'll be back to wrap up this hour. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. By the way, uh, special thanks to John Taffer for joining us. And that interview is going to get a lot of traction because it's going to be on Fox & Friends tomorrow. And I see that he got written up by Business Insider. So the president does an interview. It's really paying off. I understand, too, uh, on a uh, couple of things that have happened. Mark Morgan, who's head of Border Patrol, had his uh, Twitter account frozen. No reason that he can think of. What the hell is that about? He had a great message to send out about building 400 miles of wall. What the heck is going on there? And the other thing I just got to tell you, I don't think I've really emphasized it enough. The economy has an incredible GDP number. It's the biggest I've ever seen. The economy rose 7%. Now, I knew in the second quarter it dropped 9 We knew we did that to ourselves. But now to go up 7% is phenomenal. To grow up 33% overall is fantastic. But you guys deserve all the credit because government spending actually went down 18%. You guys worked it all out. And this is with losing the travel industry. It's losing, uh, losing obviously, airlines, travel industry, hotels, gone, uh, restaurants, gone. One out of every three small businesses will not come back. And still, these are remarkable numbers. It just shows you Americans will adapt. Susan, listen on WABC in Brooklyn, New York. Susan. Hey, uh, you know, Brian, I wondered I'm, uh, about this um, new social and, you know, unrest and violence going on in Philadelphia. If yes. that could be a factor, if it comes down to Pennsylvania, um, of turnout, people being hesitant to go, and also their history there with shenanigans at the polls, because um, Trump got uh, – 200,000 votes out of uh, Philadelphia last time, and he won the state by 46,000. So, Man, you know your stats, I, Susan. I, th I think it could be a factor. You know what's the bigger factor? 
the chaos in the cities, and it's a Democratic mayor. It's a Democratic governor. They've already been unfunded, underfunded. Philadelphia cops were actually standing at our on 48th Street and 6th looking to be interviewed. And I did. we did a quick interview with Janice Dean because they were looking to recruit cops. The pay is so low and they're so underfinanced, they have to go to New York to recruit, uh, to recruit cops. They say that part of the reason they need you to stun gun, they can't afford them. These are real issues. And you know what Joe Biden's going to do? He's going to get together a committee, a blue ribbon committee to study it. How is that acceptable? Thanks, Susan. Thanks for those numbers, too. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Couldn't be more well-deserved. Matthew McConaughey, who had a chance to interview with Stephen uh, and, and Ainsley on Fox and Friends. Book debuts number one. It's called Green Lights. It's his story. It's unvarnished. And it's really cool. And if you think it's going to be some uh, sex symbol talking about how great their life is, no. It's a real look at his life. Uh, and I th- thought it was excellent. Hopefully we get him on here. I know Allison's working on it. Right, Allison? I am. I have the email out. I'm supposed to follow up next week after the election. Next. Jack Nicholas has decided to endorse fellow golf enthusiast, fellow course designer, President Donald J. Trump at 80 years old, the 18-time major champion, where Tiger Woods is second to him, said this is not about personality. It's about patriotism. His love for America and its citizens and putting his country first has come through loud and clear. He says there's some things he does he don't, uh, that I don't like, and I tell him about it. Good job, Jack. Next. I think... Go, go ahead, Allison. No, I was just going to say it's nice to know that he's not afraid to come out and support him, right? Whereas so many um, more influential people keep their mouths shut. Right. It's good to be Jack Nicholas. Uh, uh, and not, Jack Nicholson has not endorsed yet. But I think if one endorses, the other one should be forced to. Next, Khloe Kardashian has revealed she had COVID-19. Says her symptoms include vomiting, coughing, shaking, hot and cold flashes, as well as a headache. Uh and she had some, and she, unlike her usual migraines, the throwing up is new. Uh, has anyone thrown up with it that I know? Maybe, maybe she was just sick about the fact that she had it, but she told us after the fact. Nice to know. Yeah, they say, uh, yeah, they say you can have some digestive issues with it. All right, I'm and glad. And she survived. And she's okay. And that's what the president's point is. We we know about the 220 and how bad it is. But we also know that 99 point uh, something percent do survive. Next. Major League Baseball is investigating uh, Justin Turner, the 35-year-old, was told in the eighth inning that he tested positive of COVID-19, had to leave the game. But when it comes to celebrating, he went out again. They told him not to. So he had a mask on some of the time, but basically it was all over his buddies. Now that has become the story after the Dodgers win the World Series. Pete, this is stunning. I'll tell you what, this is uh, the ramifications could have been even greater had it gone to a game seven because then what do you do you have the protocol in place you have an infected person on the team game seven never would have taken place i wonder how long they would have had to cancel or postpone game seven we've been waiting another week to finish this for him just because he uh because of what happened and i hope the other guys don't get it you know they have wives they have they some of them have their moms and their parents live with in, them. in that bubble yep right i know how hard you work 35 to win it i know it's been 30 something years since the dodgers won it but just suck it up one day Congratulations to the Dodgers. They deserve it. Best farm system, the best talent. Got a really great manager. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.